1: Welcome
0: back to another episode of Gratitude, everybody. And today we have Dee on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you guys. (laughs) We're excited to chat with you because you have a lot going on. And I think students will be really curious to like hear what you've done and kind of like your history. So first of all, could you tell people listening a bit about what got you into physical therapy? Oh, wow. That's,
2: that's an interesting story. So for guys that are listening, my name is Danelle Dixon. My, my clinic is called Performance Plus Physical Therapy. I'm in downtown D.C., Washington, D.C. And I've been practicing for quite a while. 14, it'll be 14 years next year. I got into physical therapy when I was in undergrad. My background is I'm a dancer, formerly trained in ballet and modern. And at the time that I was in undergrad, I was at a summer intensive in New York City um, at this company called Albany American Dance Theater. And while I was there at the beginning of the semester with the summer program, my grandmother passed. I'm originally from Trinidad, Tobago. She was back home in Trinidad, and I wasn't able to go home to the funeral. So that summer became particularly important for me to do amazing in dance because now this, this this, this program became that more, it had a little bit more significance than just, oh, I'm just hanging out for summer. So about, you know, three quarters ways through the program, and it was a pretty intensive program, we were dancing nine hours a day, combination of ballet, modern, jazz, African, which was exhausting. If, if you know, if you guys are into the arts, it's very cardio intensive. So we are doing a total of nine hours a day of dancing and also preparing for a performance at the end of the semester. So while I was there, three quarters through the way I got injured. I was just sitting on the floor, got up from a position and pulled a muscle in my groin. One of the most unpleasant experiences, I'll say, if you strain a muscle. And it was one of my first major injuries. You know, I was I couldn't even stand straight. I was just like hunched over. Um, I had no idea what to do at the time, so I put heat on it, which was the wrong thing to do. So the next day, I I doubly couldn't walk and couldn't attend class. And I remember having this feeling of panic of I have to dance, like I, I can't let this entire summer go by and not dance. Like this, like I can't throw this away on just this one moment, just this one incident that happened. And I looked around and found a physical therapist that was working with the school, and she did some magic, magic you and magically healed me. And I remember feeling so relieved, so grateful to her. And I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do. So, crazy story, but that's how I ended up being a physical therapist.
0: And here you are now. And, and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does a week look like for you now that you are a physical therapist? What are you up to?
2: I'm in the fifth year of my clinic downtown D.C. The name of my clinic is Performance Plus Physical Therapy. And um, I am an out-of-network, cash-based physical therapy clinic. I specialize in orthopedic sports and performing arts. On the performing arts side, I see quite a bit of dancers. So a normal week for me, I'm usually in the clinic uh, maximum four days a week. I'm usually from 7 to 7. My schedule varies depending on when the patient's schedule And when I'm not in the clinic, I'm usually doing administrative stuff, little things to promote the business in terms of marketing, meeting up with people, scheduling workshops, traveling, meeting up with my business coach and my business friends around the United States. So um, that's kind of my life now, which is a lot of fun.
1: Yes, we absolutely love it. And your clinic is awesome, by the way, because we were... We were there and we saw it when we were at CSM back in January. That's right, yeah. Yeah, about a year ago now, and it is so amazing.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: But if you want to talk more about, you know, when you started PT school and how that journey was for you as a student.
2: So when I started physical therapy school, I went to University of Delaware. That the process was interesting, um, and speaking to new grads now and um, speaking to older PTs now, it's interesting how the process has changed quite a bit. Um, My thought process is that I wanted to go to a really good school, and I wanted to go um, to a school that was on the East Coast because I didn't want to go to the West Coast because I travel a lot internationally. And I'm like, oh, that's an extra five hours of flight, so I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I wanted to stay on the East Coast and I was interested in finding a really um, really well-rounded um, orthopedic-based program. At that point, because I had my experience in dance and I knew that I wanted to work with dancers, I was really interested in a strong orthopedic um, slash sports performance-based program. So I looked around and looked at the programs in the area that were really top-tiered and I eliminated those that I had to go back to school to get a prerequisite for. So if, for example, and I'm just calling out an example. Um, If Duke University wanted an extra psychology course that I didn't have, I knocked that off of my list. And I whittle it down to four schools um, on the East Coast that had pretty great programs. And I ended up going with University of Delaware. They had a very integrated, well-rounded program. The faculty had been working together for quite a while. So their programming and the interaction between the courses and the students and the faculty were very well integrated. And just about all of my professors also did research, which was, I I think is also very uncommon. So all of them had major grants and um, actual clinics and and, um, labs on the premises that they actually did um, a lot of research and published stuff, which was really interesting because I'm very much a scientist and a nerd. On the other side of physical therapy so it was really interesting to see the scientific background and process of how we come up with our clinical hypothesis and how we apply that to our patients it was a really really interesting experience my program was two and a half years was an accelerated program so we had no break which so was exhausting but worth it because I, I i just kind of wanted to get in and out and delaware was a really good experience you know like my my professors were pretty amazing, very well respected in each of their respective fields. We had great clinical experiences. We had like eight clinicals throughout the entire um, two and a half years, and it was intense. It was boot camp. <laughs> it was a lot. It was definitely a lot. When you have professors like I did that are very well known in their field, it was not a lot of options to um, be a bad student. You you had you kind of had to get your stuff together. So. It it was really tough, but um, really rewarding. And I I felt like I got a great experience that um, on the clinical side, for the most part, prepared me for the PT world.
0: And during grad school, did you still dance? Or how did you kind of incorporate dance throughout that? So dance took a complete backseat for grad school because there was no time. I had
2: two, I had a teacher's assistantship and I had a graduate assistantship. So in my first year for the graduate assistantship, I actually worked in one of the labs for the teachers. So on my time off, that's where I was. And if I wasn't there, I was studying. So there was no time for dance. Similarly, um, in my second year when I taught, I taught undergrad um, biology courses while in PT school. So there was really no time. And additionally, I was in Delaware. And Delaware didn't quite have a thriving dance community um, that I could quickly plug into because of my location. So I didn't dance for two and a half years, kind of sucked, but um, I got through it.
0: I, I, I made it through, so <laughs> it worked out. And here you are now. So now mm-hmm. how is dance part of your career besides you helping dancers? How is dance a part of your life? And it, it, it's a little
2: bit, it's a little bit of a way less in the background that I would like. Running a clinic full-time is difficult. Working with patients full-time is difficult. And I definitely have to carve out time in my week to say, yes, I'm going to dance class. It's also a huge hit to your ego in terms of a dancer when you go to class and you're so for five days from one class, you're like, oh, my cardio sucks, you know, because you're not able to be consistent with it. So my plans for the new year, hopefully if things go well, and I um, am able to hire, you know, another clinician to be in the clinic. So I'm not there all the time. I would have more space. To actually get back into class and rehearsal and performing and that stuff that I like to do on the side. Right now, it's, it's, it's on my exercise routine as in I go to the gym twice a week and one class a week. So it's in there, but not a big part of my life as it used to be. So.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's great that you still have your passion and you're doing what you love in your clinic and mm-hmm. um, treating dancers on top of, you know, other patient populations. But for students, who, and I think it was Jenna who posted this. Mm-hmm. If there are any students listening and they're like, you know, I want to find a clinical rotation, How, like incorporating something with dance. Do you have any tips about that or what you've, ex- or what you've learned over the last few years?
2: <laughs> well, luckily now... There's way more performing arts opportunities than there was when I was a student. So those guys that are interested in the performing arts, you're in luck. The, the profession has really grown in numbers in terms of how many performing arts physical therapists are out there. I would encourage people to check out opportunities with the APTA. There is a performing arts SIG, um, Special Interest Group. Those are some important people to know. But um, really, the internet in terms of Facebook and Instagram is such a wealth of um, connections um, that really didn't quite exist as much when I was a student in terms of connecting with dance companies, connecting with, with clinics like myself that are able to provide you with um, that experience. I, I tell this to all of my students, be clear in terms of what you want, and if you don't find it, create it. I'm, I'm very much a big component of that. So when I was in PT school, there didn't quite exist a uh, performing arts rotation, clinical rotation. So I literally went to my professor and I'm like, okay, I just did a cute, I hated it. I want this, how about you create it? And you're like, we don't have that. I'm like, I'm gonna connect you with this person and this person, how about you do everything to make that happen? Cause this is what I want. And they're like, oh, okay. So basically, I created my clinical rotation, and it was amazing. I worked part-time with the Albanian American Dance Theater, their company in New York City. And then I did part-time research on dancers. So completely did a clinical study on dancers and ended up later, a couple of years later, publishing that information. Um, out for the performing arts community. Both things that are very close to me in terms of working with them, but also doing the research on the clinical side and saying, how how do we improve our incomes? How do we measure things? And how does it relate to what happens in the clinic? Back then it was something that wasn't heard of, but now I think students have so many resources to connect with people that are more than willing to share their knowledge and share experiences um, all the way across the board from, adolescent dancers, pre-professional dancers, all the way up to professional dancers. There's so many opportunities. So I would encourage students, get connected. The APT is a great starting point. They're um, a special interest group. Connect with dance physical therapists that you see online. Connect with me if you want to. I'm happy to you know, guide you and direct you to people that are, that are local to me or in my network. But get connected and create what you want.
0: Create what you want is a great piece of advice, (laughs) and a lot. It's like something students believe is out of their reach sometimes, and I think it's really cool to hear you say that you created your own rotation because so many students will hear that and be like, "What? You mean I can do that?" (laughs) Yes, ma'am.
2: And literally next year, because I mean, my clinic is um, it's it's a relatively not a very I wouldn't say popular, but a little bit of out-of-the-norm setup. You know, I don't work every day of the week because I don't want to anymore. <laughs> and um, I spend one-on-one time with my patients for an hour. I work pretty long hours. It's not the regular outpatient orthopedic setting. But I have a student that's coming on with me next year who said, you know what, I've seen your work. I want to work with you. And she called up a professor and said, hey, I want to work with her. How can we make this happen? And we're, we're figuring out the nuts and bolts that need to make this happen and she can get an amazing experience. But she reached out and, and we're going to make it happen next year. So um, it's very possible. And a lot of people are intimidated because as a student, you're very much bound by what your professors put in front of you, you know, and you, you very much kind of get into the habit of checking the boxes of whatever's put in front of you. And sometimes it's really difficult to get creative and step away from that and say, well, what do I wanna get out of this experience? At the end of this all, what would I say this would be cool or this is something that I wanna work with or these are people that I wanna work with. That requires some creat- creativity. It requires a little bit of bravery to, to you know, go to your professor and say, hey, I want something different. But remember, you know, you guys have a lot more power than you think that you do. You guys are paid for the program. Um, You guys are the program. So it's important for you guys uh, Make sure that your voice is heard and say, listen, you know, I want this experience. How can we create it? You know, not in a rude or disrespectful way, but, you know, really communicate with your teachers in terms of what you're looking for. And if they don't have it, then, you know, you could be the pioneer to create it for your school or for your program or for yourself.
1: That is so true, though. And for everyone listening, take this advice to heart, because if your program doesn't have an affiliation and you know that you want to work with a specific CI or want to be in a specific setting, then you can create those opportunities. And then going forward for future students, they can have that as well. And I think you really brought up a good point about that because a lot of students are, I think they're afraid of trying to create these opportunities because like you said, they're inside this box of, oh, this is how it's always been. This is what my program standards are. And it's like, I can't, I can't do this, or I don't think I can do this. So really creating those and knowing that you can do that. And it might be scary at first, but not until you actually initiate that and talk to your DCE or whoever it is to do that because you want to make your especially long-term clinical experiences worth it. And you don't want to be stuck in somewhere where you're going to be miserable, especially if it's a longer period of time. Not saying you will, but just mm-hmm. creating your own opportunities.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And, and and to kind of tag on to that a little bit, you know, looking back, even even though I think I got a lot of what I wanted out of physical therapy school and my my rotations and my experiences. I, I wish that I I was more vocal outside of that specific situation. There were clinicals that were great, and there were clinicals that sucked, and and not so much because the school sucked, or you know, it was more communication with the CI or um, that specific situation, that clinical site. And I definitely felt as a student, oh, I I don't want to rock the boat, I you know. You know, I'm not dying, so I can deal with it. You know, it sucks, but I'll, you know, I, I, I can just deal with it. You know, it, it's very easy to get into the mode of not wanting to be the one to stand out for the wrong reasons, quote unquote. And the only reason why I was so forceful with my dance clinical rotation was because that's why I became a physical therapist. And I knew that I wanted that experience. And I'm like, okay, this is why I'm paying all this money so. Well, I'm going to have to make it happen. <laughs> I'm happy to help you, but this is going down. But I wish I also took that, that approach to like my pediatric rotation or manure rotation, you know, um, just for an example. Um, because again, guys, you really have to realize this is not cheap. You know, it's way more expensive now than it was when I was a student. This is, this is where you test the waters. This is where you dip your toe into the water and you figure out, is this what I want to do for the next five, 10 years? Do you know what I mean? You're not going to get that. You can't get that information when you're out of the clinic and when you're, I'm sorry, out of PT school and you're in the clinic. It's a little bit more difficult to jump from job to job. We we know this. So this is your opportunity and your time to really explore. So if you have an idea of what you want, you know, you really owe it to yourself and the time that you're putting into physical therapy school, the money that you're putting into physical therapy school to get the experience that you want. The only way you do that is when you're vocal and you communicate with your CIs. So I really want to encourage you guys to do that. And if you feel a little bit awkward about it and you're not sure how to do it, reach out to me or speak to another clinician who will be able to guide you about the best way to approach things so that you know feathers are not ruffled, You know you don't feel weird speaking to your teachers about it. If you do have a little bit of backup, sometimes it's a lot easier when you have someone to help you navigate a situation. So, but I do think it's completely worth it. I'm so glad I spent the five seconds to awkwardly tell my CI, we're getting this done. What do you need? <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, I guess we can do it. And I was like, hardest five seconds of my life. But then it was over and here I am. I got what I needed. So I'm so glad that I did it. So Really feel free to reach out if you need assistance with stuff like that. It's important.
0: And for the people who maybe don't even know what a dance rotation might look like, can we compare like one of your other rotations to that one? Uh, sure. So with a dance
2: rotation, um, specifically, I worked with ballet and modern dancers. Think of orthopedics on steroids. That's a dance clinical rotation. You have to be very strong in orthopedics. Dance does fall under the umbrella of orthopedics. You're, you really, it, it's like an orthopedic clinic, but a little bit faster and a lot more specialized. So we had between 15 and 20 minutes to evaluate and treat a patient. We didn't have very long days. We had, pre, like for example, we were treated from like maybe two to six or two to seven students rotated and they had a select number of opportunities to come and see a physical therapist. So if they came in there, they were very specific about what they needed. I can't get up onto my toe shoes or my point shoes, or when I do a grand batma and I hit the top of my grand batma, I get a pinch in my hamstring. So you have to be really, really good with your differential diagnosis. You become quite a ninja with that um, very quickly because you don't have a lot of time which means your anatomy has to be on point, your understanding of differential diagnosis has to be on point um, in terms of special testing, and also your knowledge of specific dance injuries that affect that population has to be on point. Because you really kind of have like five, 10 minutes to diagnose, and then 10 minutes to set up a treatment plan. So it goes by really quickly. Um, It can be exhausting because as you can imagine, it's very fast paced. The dance population, specifically on, on the professional side, they don't do well with bullshit. They'll sniff that out in a second. So you better know your shit. <laughs> you know, these are people that use their bodies for a living. They know their bodies very well. So they can they're not the people who are gonna come and say, This hurts. They'll say that hurts when I do that in this piece. So they are very specific. So it helps you a little bit if you're a really good um clinician, but also it means that you really need you need to get to the point right away. There's no time for We can do ultrasound for five minutes and then we do some massage and then we do some stretches. There's no time for that. They need to be pain relief right now. So it really demands, again, really good um, differential diagnoses, really good just being able to diagnose and treat patients very quickly, but also really amazing treatment plans, really good with the hands in terms of figuring things out and affecting a physical change very quickly. They need to be in stage in 30 minutes, so you got to figure it out you know? So that's what it looks like. Know your stuff. <laughs> so that, that's kind of what, that's kind of a snapshot of what it is.
0: Very cool. Mm-hmm. And I know that was your specific experience. So maybe somebody going to like the clinic you've created is mm-hmm. different than your clinical experience. Um, yeah, definitely.
2: So after many years in outpatient PT, where you have to go really fast, I decided I'm gonna go in the opposite direction and go very slow. The, and, and there are benefits on both sides. Um, there, there are lots of things that you can triage very quickly if you have a very good working knowledge of, you know, the patients and dance um, injuries. There are lots of stuff that you can treat in 20 minutes. But if you're really good and you can treat someone with 50 to 70% effectiveness in 20 minutes, imagine what you can do in an hour. So that's a direction that I decided to take my clinic in. It is, you know, like if you're into orthopedics and you do a lot of manipulation and a lot of hands-on therapy, manual therapy, it wears your body down. I wanted to slow down and give patients a little bit more quality care. So that's the direction that my clinic decided to go in. But I do backstage coverage frequently for performing artists or companies that come into the area and perform at um, the local Kennedy Center or do dance shows. You know, situations like that doesn't facilitate an hour treatment. So it still is important to be that quick on your feet and be able to effect a change quickly for a performing artist. Time is usually of the essence all the way around. So it's important to be able to have that. But if they do need more time and do need, you know, they have a more, uh, a little bit of injury that requires more care and attention, you know, they definitely have the option to come visit me one-on-one where they can get more care. And Armory am be to things all the way through.
0: Very cool. I like that you did the backstage. So I actually didn't think of this before, but what is backstage oh. coverage? What does that look like? So backstage coverage is basically you're taking care of the
2: dancers. Let's say you're at a football field and you see the athletic trainer come out and they are stretching the dancer, you know, footballers um, on the field and preparing them before they get onto the field. That's basically what backstage coverage is. So usually a room is set up in the performing arts theater, whichever, whatever the location is. And similarly, it's set up like, like a clinic. So patients usually have 20, 30 minute slots that they come in. Um, you usually would find that the performers that are that are um, either have a previous, a previous injury or that are taking quite a hit on their body because they're doing repetitive things over as they are on tour um, are usually the ones that are the first ones to book. And, you know, they come in and they get a little bit of um, some help before they get on stage, you know. So you can see anything from, you know, strains, you know, hamstring strains. Sometimes joint instabilities happen. Not very often dancers at that level, if they're on the professional side, tend to be pretty strong. But usually it's usually strains, the tendinitis, Achilles, a perineal tendinitis, um, the FHL tendinitis, a lot of stuff at the foot and ankle, sometimes the hip. With the men, you would get sometimes a shoulder or back because they're doing want the lifting. Yeah, and 20 minutes, 20, 40 minutes in and out. You know, they, they, they have curtain call at 6.30, so start at one, you finish at 5.30, they gotta be on stage in, in half an hour to an hour after warm up and that's it. Oh, and then you do have to hang out during the show um, in case there's an injury on stage. So you do a little bit of triage in that, in that sense. So, if someone has something that happens during the show, there's a slip, you know, they slip in a puddle of sweat or something, something goes wrong with a costume and somebody gets snagged or they get injured. So many things could happen on stage. Any Anything is game. You kind of hang around during that time to make sure that they're there and they can get triage if anything critical is happening.
0: This may be a silly question, but <laughs> do you, so like when you're back there and you're ready to come out on stage if something happens, are you also in costume or if something were to happen do you like go out there in costume and like pull them back
2: no or- um, okay <laughs> no definitely not That's <laughs> big performing odds no like unless someone like if has- it was bad is what i'm imagining like really bad here's the thing there have been crazy injuries that i've seen on stage and i've never seen a dancer not dance off the stage Dancers are miraculously good at covering up injuries. Like we're, we're injury ninjas. I, I will say that, you know what I mean? I've had, I've had dancers tore the MCL and still pirouettes will do the turn off, finish and they're gone. And then they like collapse off into the wings, you know, and backstage. So I've never seen anything traumatic, traumatic happen on stage that required someone to come and get them off the stage i've never seen that not saying that it doesn't happen i've never seen it so possible hopefully never but never seen it
1: (laughs) yeah that's so interesting because i like i i don't know i was always curious about that and that's really cool that you're able to provide the backstage coverage and be there and if anything did go wrong Mm -hmm. you are there yeah. Uh, which is really, really cool.
2: You're, you're the point person. There's no doctor. There's no nurse. You're, you're the first person that they see. I've, I've done PT coverage. And before we got to the stage, I, I, I remember this clearly. There was a dancer that I was working with and she just kept complaining of back pain. She was lethargic and it was winter. So she was always bundled up and cold. And I was just like, is weird like this back pain doesn't make any sense you know and she came for the four days that i was covering she came you know three of the four days and by the third day i remember looking at her chart because you know you're moving fast and i remember saying is there anything else going on other than this back pain because you know, just the way that she presents, because it's just not how dancers usually present with with back pain. Dancers don't chronically have back pain unless something big is going on. And she's like, Yeah, you know, I have a little bit of blood in my urine. She had a kidney infection. And most people with a kidney infection would be out for the count. And she just felt, you know, like she had a cold, like she was just like lethargic and down. So we had to get her to the ER. And thankfully, we caught it before it became something serious that she wasn't able to dance. But dancers have Dancers are pretty incredible athletes. They take a lot of pain. They beat up their bodies ridiculously, and they make it look effortlessly. So it, it it's amazing to watch, but on the health side of things, it's very difficult to um, manage because they're so used to covering pain. They use, they use that knowledge and understanding of how to mediate pain to actually hide injuries um, when they feel like it. But also, they also... Um, they don't even acknowledge when there actually is something going on. So even though she felt the pain and never registered to her that this was missing, do you know what I mean? So some crazy stuff that goes on, you know, but for you guys, for the audience, the show must go on. and it's perfect. So those are things that you guys don't see, you know, you don't see the craziness that's happening
0: behind the curtain. So, which is a good thing if you don't see it. So and last question. Uh, sure. I know we already gave a bunch, of, you already gave a lot of great advice for students, but mm-hmm. if you had to pick a really important piece of advice for current students, mm-hmm. what would you tell them? Don't be afraid to
2: create your own door. That's what I would say. And, and it it's kind of ties into what I mentioned before in terms of creating clinicals. I think that's across the board. 2019, as we're going into 2020, it's such an amazing time to be a physical therapist. You guys have a ridiculous wealth of knowledge and access that clinicians 10, 15, 20, 30 years prior to you did not have. You guys can reach so many more people. You guys can help so many more people. And I think it's important to have a clear vision of what you want to do and who you want to help. And if you don't see what you want, know that there are tools to create what you want. Just because a door has not been created doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. That's the best advice I would say. It's important to do your homework and do your research so you know what that door looks like when you walk in. <laughs> but don't just don't be afraid to create your own door. You know, um, there, there's a lot to say and there's a lot to talk about um, in terms of strength and having people identify with you when you're true to what you believe in and how you treat your patients and the skills and the talents that you have to offer to the PT world. Um, and that goes all the way from treating patients to administrative stuff, to research, to professional development. It goes all the way around. If you don't see, if you don't see the way courses have been created before it happened, you want to do something new go look into another door. Like there, there are different ways to reach more different people. And in the world that we live in, there's so many people that need help. Someone needs your help. Um, so it's really important to kind of own the talents that you have and bring it forth for everyone.
1: Oh, that is the key. And mm-hmm. every everything that we talked about today is so is so true. And for everyone listening, where can they reach out to you? Because we know... Students who are listening were like, you know what? I need to create my own opportunities, but Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do it. So where can they um, connect with you?
2: Sure. You can find me on Facebook. uh, My company's name is Performance Plus Physical Therapy. On Instagram, where I spend most of my time online, 3PTDC. You can reach out to me there, shoot me a message. Yeah. Or you can look at my website. Um, You can shoot me an email info at 3ptdc.com. There are a couple of ways that you can reach out to any one of those three. I I definitely will be able to connect with you and I'm happy to chat um, and see how I can help you guys out. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on. We greatly appreciate it. Of course. This was so fun. I'm so happy to talk with you guys. So this is fun. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists.
1: If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.